This is the Authentically Mental Podcast, a podcast all about mental health, sexuality, and recovering from abuse. I'm your host, Kayla Hurt, and this is episode 17, Mental Health History, with my special guest, Mrs. Katie Smith. Hello, guys, and thank you for joining me for episode 17 of Authentically Mental. I am your host, Kayla Hurt, and I'm here with my amazing guest today, Mrs. Katie Smith. How are you? Uh, fine, I guess. <laughs> it's better than not being fine or being like, I'm, I'm terrible, I think. Uh, yeah, especially, I guess, on a mental health podcast. That would be kind of uh, awkward. That would be kind of awkward. I'd be like, do we need to call somebody? What's going on? How are you feeling? <laughs> What's your therapist name and number? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a psychiatrist? What's going on? How are you feeling? I like your, uh, I don't, what I don't like is Ryan back there. I need my own office. What I don't like is Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I like your Velociraptor. Or is that a T-Rex? It's a T-Rex. It's a T-Rex on your phone? Yeah. That's legit. Yeah, 10, 10. I uh, got one of those fancy cricket cutters. So I that was saw my... that on Instagram. Yeah, that was my practice piece, so then I just stuck it inside my clear phone case. Sweet. Good idea. 10 out of 10 would recommend. So, all right. Well, today we're talking about mental health history, which I'm super stoked about because it kind of goes into the stigma that we live with today because there's so much that people don't understand. Like, I think the last institutionalized person that was like I'm gonna misspeak here I'm sure but I read somewhere and I don't remember where because I'm a terrible host that you know we just recently started not institutionalizing everybody for every little thing in like 1968 or something like that yeah it's been pretty recent yeah uh, institutionalization goes all the way back to like the 1840s right yeah um, and we institutionalize for all types of things things that are now labeled as autism adhd yep. um things that they basically just didn't understand a lot of behavioral issues were kind of labeled as mental problems yeah um slowness any kind of mental slowness was speech impediments yeah. i think even yeah. like because if you had a speech impediment it was the devil in you or something yeah. like that not to get like not to dip bag on religion or anything on the show but i mean that's just kind of like you can read a history book and know that a lot of stuff that people deemed i mean inappropriate or not normal you know you were institutionalized or stoned to death or you know Drowned. I mean, if women had, you know, postpartum depression or anything like that, then it was just institution. That's but. really interesting because postpartum depression, I actually don't know anybody who has had a baby that didn't go through postpartum. I don't think I do either. I don't know anybody who hasn't had postpartum after having a baby. I mean, I can't speak from personal experience or anything. But. Me neither. You know, neither one of us are planning on being parents, so. Except to dogs. Except to dogs. All the dogs. So. Every dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have, like, an army of Bernese Mountain Dogs and maybe a couple Newfoundlands and, like, a bunch of uh, Norwegian forest cats. So this podcast has devolved into us just talking about what dogs we're going to have. I'm okay with that. Hey, the last podcast I had with Jasmine Ellis, we started talking about Harry Potter, so... Oh, I happens. can do that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I need... Call Jasmine, get her over I know, right? Jasmine, uh, her and Booty are actually doing a podcast together... Uh, later this month, we're going to actually kind of do an expansion on this podcast where we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about mental health and minorities. Very interesting. So you have a list because of who you are as a person, which I appreciate. Yeah. I'm also a list person. I I did not come prepared for a list. So why don't we just start? Not really with... a list. Just 
notes. Notes? I'm fine with that. But it looks very organized from what I can it's see. It's not really. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to pretend it is because it looks organized from this side of the table. So That's because it's in bullet points, and if you put anything in bullet points, it looks organized. That is true, and that is my trick for a lot of things. It's, you're not wrong. Like, whenever I write emails and I have task lists that I have to send to my boss, I'm like, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, because it makes me feel professional. It yeah. makes me feel better about myself. Yeah, no, that'll save you every time. Exactly. Like, look how organized I am. I totally deserve when a raise. Out, bullet points. Exactly. So, what do you have that you want to talk about today? Because oh, this was really... <laughs> <laughs> this You kind of approached me about this idea. So, this is kind of... You're like, you're kind of running the show today a little bit. Oh, God. It's okay. Don't panic. I mean, I'll I carry do you. have a podcast, but it's only two minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'll carry you. <coughs> it's all right. So, I'm fine with that. I'm fine just kind of going into that side of it and stuff like that and starting from the beginning with the history side of it and how we used to what we can focus on which I don't know what's in your notes but what we can focus on is how we have evolved from then to now and where we still need to go and where we still need to go I'm fine going that direction because we still have such a long way to go with mental health and with mental health in the U.S. specifically because we still have this kind of system in place where if you're institutionalized uh, from anywhere to standard stay is usually, well, I was going to say standard stay is usually five days, but you can be held against your will for 48 hours. So anyway, but we still have this system in place where um, if you're institutionalized for anywhere from five to... 12 days you and you don't have anywhere to go like you've been kicked out of your house or whatever you're homeless they just stick you on a greyhound bus Mm -hmm. and drop you where the fuck ever yeah that's that's a real that's a real thing that happens in today's society it's terrible i think john oliver did a segment all about it you can look it up on youtube about mental health in america it's a very good watch it's a very good watch. I highly recommend it. So what is the first bullet point that you have? Um, unfortunately, they're not really in order. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> um, I guess kind of speaking of current mental health care, I mean, as recently as like, um, as recently as like 2009, there was a New York Times article about men in Iowa, uh, mentally handicapped men, um, who uh, were forced to work in a turkey processing plant. Their take-home pay was $65 a month. Officially, their their pay stub was, uh, like, just over $1,000. Um, but they took out any medical expenses. They took out food. They took out room, everything. So their take-home pay was never over $65 for 30 years. Wow. Yeah. I. How was that even legal? They were using uh, one line from the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938, um, that allowed certified employers to pay a sub-minimum wage to workers with a disability. Ah. Yeah. Okay. It shouldn't have been legal, but technically there was a loophole. They did have a, a huge payout from that, obviously, once all the legal stuff was kind of... So the, I assume the, somebody sued, or somebody was a whistleblower. Yeah. Okay. So most of these men were from Texas originally. Okay, and they moved to... Where is Iowa? Yeah. Okay. Iowa. Okay. Um, they were taken in as part of like an agricultural kind of job training program here in Texas. Okay. 
And uh, then the company basically bought land in Iowa and um, found this old schoolhouse to rent out as, like, bunking quarters for them. Okay. And then uh, kind of never did any real upkeep with it. So they were living in squalor. They had to eat with one hand over their plate to keep roaches from falling on it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Awful, awful conditions. So what were these men diagnosed with? Does anybody know? Depression, anxiety, autism? Uh, doesn't specify. Okay, just mental illness. Kind of a variety of okay. things, yeah. Just, mis- just mental disabilities or yeah. disabilities? Okay. Yeah, more disability than, okay. than illness, really. Okay. And we've only really recently kind of started distinguishing between those two. Yeah, so. that's a new thing between, like, mental disability and then mental yeah. issues or mental health type stuff. Because mm-hmm. I'm mentally ill. Yeah. And But I'm not mentally disabled. Yeah. Well, most days I'm not. Um, <laughs> we all have our moments. We all have our moments. Where I just can't function. But no, in all seriousness, I'm not mentally disabled. And I'm very fortunate for that. I do have dyslexia. So, but, you know, so, so it's kind of, I guess my diagnosis is up for debate on if I'm mentally disabled or not. Because some people would consider dyslexia a mental disability. I don't. But some people would. It's probably not one that would have gotten you institutionalized. So I'm going to go with no. No. Yeah, no. Back in like 1800s, it probably wouldn't have gotten me institutionalized. They probably just would have considered me stupid because I couldn't read. Probably. Be like, oh, that Kayla girl. She's she's cute, but she's just, she's so slow. That's probably what it I just would have been the town slowpoke. It would have been fine, though, because you would have been a great wife. I mean, you can cook. Yeah, and I couldn't read. I would have been the best wife back then. If you could cook and bear children, like, boom, they, done. Yeah, exactly. I would have been wife material back in the day. Can't read, can cook, have childbearing hips. I'd been, I'd been... They'd be lighting up at the door. Say that, Ryan. <laughs> Wife material. <laughs> I wish there was video so you could see the look that he's just throwing right now. So much shade. I tried. So much shade. So that was in 2009. Yeah, that was 2009. And we kind of think of those things as being kind of very distant past. But that's, Mm -hmm. you know, nine years ago. It's very recent. Well, that's something that kind of leads me into another thing that I think is important to talk about is this kind of goes into kind of a living wage type of a conversation Mm -hmm. because there's this whole debate that if you want to make a good living, you should go to college and you should work really hard and claw your way up the ladder and, you know, like basically work yourself to death. Like that's the American motto. Like if you work really hard, you can achieve something. And what people fail to realize with that is not everybody is capable of climbing a corporate ladder or going to college or learning a trade skill because they have mental disabilities. Yep. Like autism or Down syndrome or maybe they have seizures or mm-hmm. you any know, number of things. Yeah, any, or like severe epilepsy or, yeah. you know, whatever. And some people just don't understand that these people want to be a lot of these people want to be independent like a lot of people with down syndrome um so then they're on like then they get social security which you know that's a whole other issue that about how social security you should be able to live a comfortable life i think on social security just that's just me and but more importantly there are people that have mental disabilities that can work but are not being paid a living wage yep and that's a problem like, some people can't do better than working at Starbucks. Um, one of the, the big things with these men, like, this was supposed to be a job training program for them, but it only trained them to, you know, work in turkey farming. Mm-hmm. And that was it. They didn't learn any real job skills. They didn't learn any life skills. 
They yeah. were just kind of thrown into a bunkhouse, and yeah. they killed turkeys every day. That was their entire life. So, um, was it a collective whistleblowing issue, or was it, like, somebody found, like, somebody that wasn't working there? Somebody who wasn't working there um, found out what was going on. They were really um, kind of part of their community at first. Okay. Um, when they moved to Iowa, uh, they... Uh, the the farm owners invited kind of the community to come to the bunkhouse where the men lived and they got to, you know, play with their pool table and they, you know, were so proudly showing off their shared bedrooms. And Mm -hmm. uh, initially it seemed like a really good situation. And then over the years, all of that welcoming kind of turned into no trespassing signs. And when you see that shift, you kind of have to realize there's something going going on. on. Yeah. Yeah. So. Kind of like massage parlors who have blacked out windows. Yeah. <laughs> no, they are not. Like, I'm pretty sure most of them are sex rings. Like, I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, so so that happened in 2009. We're still dealing, still not really treating mental health like it's a real thing in this country. And then I've had several instances where I've been open about my mental health at work because Mm -hmm. I'm trying to break the stigma. And unfortunately, when you're a trailblazer for that type of thing, you get repercussions for it. Yeah. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. It's illegal. But I've had to file ADA paperwork at my current job because there have been strange repercussions with me being open about my mental health about like they started like I had to do ADA paperwork at my job because my current boss was having issues with my doctor's appointments for my med management like I go once every three months for med management because I'm fine now when I first started the job I was going more frequently because we were trying to switch me from Lexapro to Zoloft yeah it's really hard to have a full-time job and try and get yourself healthy because employers are like wear you out so much yeah can't do that well and then on top of that like i wasn't in my in my opinion and i mean feel free to write me in uh authenticallymental at gmail.com if you guys want to argue this with me taking an hour off one week out of the month you know or one day out of the month excuse me one day out of the month is not taking a lot of time off no that's me and especially when you work like i what i was doing was i was like oh i have a doctor's appointment this day i have to leave by 3 30 because my appointment's at 4 30 it's on the other side of town houston traffic blah 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 and that being said it's like okay well i just won't take lunch today i'll just work through my lunch and then i can leave early that way i don't have to take sick time or vacation time or anything else like that so i'm still working a full eight hours and you know she comes to me and she's like you know you're taking a lot of time off. Can you move your appointments to the weekend? So that's why. So good luck finding anyone available on the weekend. Well, my psychiatrist specifically is not available on the weekend. Yeah. And I'm not moving psychiatrists because you don't like me. It's already so hard to find a good one. You can't really compromise I s- on that. You can't. And I spent years trying to find my psychiatrist. Yeah. Trying to find one that I trusted because so many of them, not talking shit about psychiatrists, guys, but I just, it was a long, long, hard road to find my psychiatrist. Yeah, you really have to, it's important to find the one who's right for you. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody kind of has different needs with their psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And I really like my psychiatrist. And so I just kind of told her, I was like, you know, I'll do my best with my other appointments. So I see my therapist after work on Fridays. 
because I'm doing, some of you all know I'm still in CPT therapy. Uh, it's a 12 week long program and I'm in week seven, something like that. Yeah, it's long. Um, I mean, week seven or eight, I can't remember. And so I've just had, so in my last job that I had, I was open about my mental health too, because I had started to struggle because I had, in my last job, I had just started psychiatrist or seeing, 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 seeing a psychiatrist, excuse me, getting on medication and stuff like that. And there's a balancing out period when you do medication, which I'm sure you like most people know that, yeah. but because I had to miss work, to go to my appointments for my med management because when you're doing when you're starting and changing medications you have to go um more often you have to go like twice a month yeah which still isn't a lot in my opinion like if it was like every week then maybe but it's only two days out of the month and i'm only missing like an hour of work that's not a lot to me but because i was open about it my last supervisor was started treating me like i couldn't do anything uh, yeah. The eternal struggle. Yes. I mean, really. She was like, she just started treating me like I couldn't do anything. And that really, really bothered me. And that was one of many reasons why I left that department. And now this new job that I'm in now, it's like, it feels like I'm not allowed to be sick. Yeah. Well, and you work in medical and it seems like they should be more understanding. It, you would think, yeah. And then more specifically, I work in neurology now. And so you would think that they would fucking get it yeah but here i am in a sense being discriminated against in my own way they literally understand the science behind it but however still having a struggle yeah it's ridiculous so you know and so it's it's just been rough because when you're a trailblazer for mental health like i am and you want to be open about it and you want to be personable about it not everybody wants to reciprocate that. And sometimes those people are your employers. Well, and it's always been harder for women, too, to be taken seriously by healthcare professionals mm-hmm. for, you know, mental or physical health. And that kind of is a good lead into the next thing I wanted to talk about, about how women are more likely to be institutionalized than men, especially back in yeah, 1800s, it's, it's 1900s. Yeah. Women are more likely to be sent to an institution and be institutionalized than men are. Well, early on, a big thing that got women institutionalized was just disobedience. Mm-hmm. Um, because women are supposed to be submissive to their husbands. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not really, but in religion they but, are. But back in the day, I mean, like, because, you know, we were a, were, are, am, is, whatever. Um a god-fearing country. Yeah. Or more more accurately, we're a god-fearing society. Yeah. And we have whether and like like I said, I'm not trying to piss off religion on this show. I'm not trying it's to It's all just fact. It's all just it's in history books. You know, we were founded on Christianity beliefs or Christian beliefs back in like the pioneer days. You know what I mean? Like, yes and no. Like, like <laughs> we're, we weren't founded on, like, it's, I'm saying that in the sense that, like, we were and we weren't because a lot of our societal structures were based on Christian beliefs. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. A lot of our structures were We were founded on religious freedom, but societal structures were based on Christian beliefs. Thank you. That's what I was trying <laughs> to say. Yes. And so with that came 
rules, and I'm using air quotes when I say that, with that came rules and regulations on how women specifically were supposed to act. And in the Bible, you know, maybe not in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, which is what we're kind of leaning towards here in this this podcast, because that's what societal structure was founded around. Um, Women were supposed to be submissive. They're supposed to obey their husbands. You know, they're supposed to be meek and quiet and bear children and... Yeah, just, uh, you know, do their duty in life and then die. Yeah, pretty much. Tend to the house. Yeah. Tend to the farm when the husband was away. Yep. Stuff like that. And do whatever their husband tells them to. Yeah. So if they were disobedient to their husband, they were clearly uh, mentally ill or, you know, even further back, possessed by a demon. Yeah. And then exercised or whatever, taken away and... Thrown in a river, whatever. Yeah, whatever. You know, whatever works. And, of course, then we we can get into, like, the whole witchcraft side of it, you know? Like, oh, she lives by herself in the woods and has no husband because she hates people. No, she's a witch. We must burn her or must sink her to the bottom of she she's a witch but if she floats well does no. she weigh the same as a duck no 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 that's what it was if she sinks she's not a witch and she still dies and if she floats she's a witch and we kill her anyway like that that was it yeah I was like yay logic there wasn't a lot of logic in that that's how you know men were in charge <laughs> <laughs> nothing from the peanut gallery I'm surprised I, well no Ryan threw some shade He's throwing silent shade. I expected something from Rigo. No, he's on his phone. He's distracted. He's he's fine. It's like a child with a toy. Yay! (laughs) Toy! (laughs) (laughs) So, um... But yeah, so that was a very real thing, is that if you weren't, um... Obedient, or if you didn't fit that specific mold, you were definitely ostracized. Yeah, you were labeled as insane or incompetent, or both, or mostly both. Yeah, and here's the fucked up thing I think is if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were institutionalized, your husband didn't have to divorce you, he could just go remarry, right? I'm actually not sure on that one. Okay, yeah, I uh, I'm not sure. I didn't look uh, as much into the very beginnings. I, fe- um, I feel like it was a thing. And again, you know, if anybody knows anything about this, feel free to write me at gmail.com. But I think that if like your wife was sent away to the loony bin, um, that you could go get a new wife. <laughs> you could go to the wife store and get a new wife. It sounds plausible. I it, mean, back that, in the day, it, it definitely sounds plausible. Yeah, it sounds extremely plausible, but I really don't know for sure. Yeah. I don't want to confirm or deny because I don't... Uh, so, yeah, so that's fine. You don't have to confirm or deny that. That's fine. It's just something... It sounds completely plausible in my brain. But it sounds like I read it somewhere or something, but who knows? Yeah. It sounds legitimate, but I, I don't know for sure. Like, they might have had to, like, divorce them but because the wife wasn't of sound mind sound body like the wife didn't have any say in it i don't think they had much say in it at that point anyway yeah well marriage like back in the day anyway was it wasn't what it was today marriage back in the day was was not this kind of like ride or die situation that we kind of manifested in that's kind of manifested into like yes you were married for the rest of your life but marriage was also a necessity yeah, uh, you really, well, as a woman, you really couldn't function without a husband. Yeah. Or you could, but 
good luck. Yeah, exactly. So, and if you did happen to function without a husband... And you were a witch. Yeah, you were a witch, and they'd burn you anyway. So, you know, you were fucked no matter what you did. More likely drowned than burned, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Or hanged. Yeah. So, anyway, that uh, you said that kind of leads you into what you wanted to talk about next on this podcast. Yeah. Um, women in particular. Um, but, you know, really anyone kind of... Anyone actually mentally unstable um, or anyone labeled that way were really treated the same way as the poor. Um, they were thrown in almshouses and, uh, or, you know, forced labor, all kinds mm-hmm. of horrible, horrible conditions for them until the 1840s. And that is when this uh, woman from Boston named Dorothea Dix uh, came along and she started visiting prisons. And she started visiting almshouses, and she visited hundreds of them over the course of, like, 40 years, mm-hmm. and started lobbying uh, different state legislatures and U.S. Congress until she got some institutions built, and those were our first psychiatric hospitals. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. So when was the first psychiatric hospital built? Uh, I don't have the exact year. It was in the 1840s. Sometime. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because, so did she have any... Um, say in the condition of them? Um, yes and no. Um, she wasn't really involved past the point of getting the, the funding for them, because then the men kind of took over. Mm. Um, as, as they do. As they do. Um, but she was the first to kind of outline a case for... Um, this person isn't a criminal, this person is sick. Yeah, compassionate care. Okay. Um... She, you know, the places she was visiting, they might have um, mentally ill people, you know, chained to beds or, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of living in their own filth mm-hmm. or, you know, horrible, horrible conditions. And she outlined all of this in her letters to different legislatures and to Congress mm-hmm. as she was lobbying. So she was kind of the first to say, hey, these are people. Maybe we should probably treat them like people. Mm-hmm. So okay. we have her to thank for that. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's super cool. Good for her, because there is a difference between cold-blooded killers and mentally ill people. Yeah. And not to dive into a very hot-button issue, but I am going to say it just because it is my podcast and I can do do what you want. I can do what I want. But most, if not all, I believe, of the recent mass shooters that we've had over the past five or six years have not shown any signs of being mentally unstable. You're right. There's articles about it. There are studies. Yeah. Yeah. So there is, people want to argue that that they're mentally ill, but they don't have diagnosable mental illnesses. Yeah. And it could be that they're really good at hiding it, but... Well, and then on top of that, like, they go through, I believe, don't quote me on this, I believe once they're detained, because most of them go alive... Um, the ones that they've caught that didn't kill themselves or weren't shot by the police or whatever, the ones that are detained, um, for example, the shooter that shot up the school in Santa Fe here in Texas, uh, Parkland, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the Colorado shooter, the Mm -hmm. one that shot up the movie theater, Aurora, uh, that one, Mm -hmm. they all went alive. They were all put into custody. Uh, And I believe they go through a psych evaluation after they're detained. 
And then even after going through a psych evaluation, after they committed this horrendous massacre, they're still not showing any signs of mental instability. You know, psychopathy in and of itself is really hard to diagnose. It is. So there's, you know, they may just be psychopaths, but it's really hard to write them off as that when you can't definitively diagnose it. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are just evil. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them mentally. Yeah. You can argue. You can argue all day all day and all night about that. Like, oh, nobody of sound mind and sound body. But no, they'll be perfectly logical and they're just evil. Here here's a perfect example actually that just happened recently a couple weeks ago. There was a cardiologist that was shot here in Houston. I don't know if you heard about this. Mm-mm. Um, they actually knew him. And he was on his he worked at where I work, I'm not going to say where I work in case anybody wants to send this to my employers, but <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm not going to say where I work, but I work in the medical center and, uh, he worked for the place that I work at. He was a cardiologist. Uh, he operated on Bush senior, I believe. Okay. Um, and so he's a very well-known cardiologist. I didn't know him, know him. I knew of him and I right. met with him and talked to him a couple times because I see him around the hospital and stuff. And, he was on his way to work. He rode his bike to work every day. Same path, same route everywhere. And he was in his 60s, perfectly healthy, and some guy was riding his bike and shot him. Wow. Point blank. And he died. And turns out the guy who shot him was a white man, first of all. <laughs> Just want to specify that. I hate that we have to specify that, but yeah. He was a white man. <laughs> And it turns out that his, this cardiologist operated on his mother and his mother died on the table 20 years ago. Oh, wow. 20 years ago this happened. And the man recently lost his father, not related to the doctor. So it just kind of set him spiraling back into loss, I guess. I guess. And he just was vengeful. And for whatever reason, his vengeance was focused on this doctor. I think that's the anger stage of grieving. Yeah, I, I would. I would think. I think he was in the anger stage. But yeah, but he was of sound mind and sound body when he shot this doctor. I think they're still looking for him. Oh, that's comforting. Because like he shot the doctor, and there were witnesses, and so they they found him like a couple days later. And he just went back, like, after he shot this guy, he apparently just went the fuck home. And just, like, was watering his plants and shit. And then when they, when the sketch artist finally, they blasted, of course, his sketch. Yeah, of course. Across, you know, wherever, based on witness descriptions, you know, and they had a really good sketch of him. I think he's fucking gone. I think he went to Mexico or... Probably. Wherever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think they're ever going to fucking find him now. I don't think they have found him or anything like that. But, I mean, so that that case is, you know, kind of up for debate on if he was mentally sound or not. Yeah. And if he had... And they don't know if he... But I don't think he had any diagnosable mental illnesses. All of his neighbors were like, oh, he was so nice. And he was always... Isn't that always the isn't way? Isn't that always the way? He Like, he was super nice. He was a great neighbor. We would never expect something like this from him. You know, but... Yeah, I mean... 
It was believed that he was of sound mind and sound body when he shot that doctor, just point blank. On a f- middle of the morning, broad daylight, around the medical center. If he was grieving, I might argue the of sound mind part. Mm. Mm. Need more information. Need more information. But yeah. But yeah, just shit like that. It's like, you know, most people, most of the people who commit these crimes are just vengeful. Like the Santa Fe shooter, that whole thing started because he was rejected. Yep. I don't know if you're right about that. Yep. He was rejected. Like his, his first victim was a girl that he had been pining over that had rejected him multiple times and he shot her point blank in the face. Yep. Like, okay. <laughs> There's a whole other tangent I could go into from, but I'm not going. Okay. But. That's fine. <laughs> that, I respect your decision to not go on a, what I call a, a, a verbiage bender. <laughs> I'll probably end up ranting to Rigo on the way home. That's like, that's that's what usually happens. Son of a bitch! Something to look forward to. As long as it's not about me, I'm good. Not yet. Not yet? Okay, good. We'll have to wait for you to piss me off. Okay, cool. (laughs) Fantastic. So, but yeah, so I mean, that's, that's kind of like my argument is that, you know, there are mentally, there needs to be a distinction between evil people and mentally ill. And mentally ill people. Yeah. Because honestly, it really pisses me off when people are just like, oh, this is a mental health problem. This isn't a whatever problem. I'm like, listen, I've been mentally ill for basically most of my life. I'm pretty sure I was born with fucking anxiety because I was a very anxious child when I was little. I remember very distinctly having panic attacks. I'm pretty when I was sure like the five. only person I'm in danger of shooting is myself. Thank you. And that's why I don't own a firearm. That's why I don't own a firearm. I have nothing against guns, but I don't personally want one because I fantasize about shooting myself way too much. It's a true, it's a true thing. Yeah, no, that's responsible. Yeah, thank you. Because everyone's just like, oh, yeah, like, especially when I lived alone. And people was like, oh, just get a gun, just get a gun. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I have a higher risk of shooting myself than I do of ever shooting an intruder. Yep. Ever. Just saying. So, anyway, that was a random tangent that I went on. And you on. could Sorry. probably talk any intruder's ear off, and you'd be perfectly fine, because they'd just be like, fuck this, I don't want to deal with her. <laughs> Pretty much. Ryan's always said that no one would steal me, they'd bring me back. That's what I say about me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, one time that we... <laughs> it was a funny conversation. Uh, I, I asked Ryan, I was like, hey, do you remember, do you remember that thing that I had on this morning? And he was like... No, I wasn't paying attention. And I was like, are you serious? What if somebody kidnaps me? They're going to ask you what I was wearing. They're going to ask for a description and you're not going to know. They're never going to find me. And then he just looks at me and he just goes, no one would take you. <laughs> it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. But what if? But what if? What if somebody took me? No one would take me. Bring I'm, it back. I, I'm too mean. Yeah, that's true. I can confirm that. Them to me, no one would take me. I'd be biting people. <laughs> I'd be biting people and kicking t- taillights out and kicking people in the face. I'm way too mean. So, but yeah, that just there there needs to be a distinction between mentally ill people and just evil people, and there is, and there should be. You know, we can argue all day and all night. Oh well, mentally ill people are evil, or evil people are mentally ill. It's like yeah, okay, but not necessarily, not necessarily, or not diagnosably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, like, sociopaths are a real thing. Yeah, sociopaths are a real thing, and that's not technically a mental illness. Yeah, that's just a mental diagnosis. Yep, it's not and a it's illness. Really hard to diagnose. It is because sociopaths are really good at hiding the fact that they're sociopath. Yep. I dated a sociopath. I would know. Yep. 
pretty sure my mom's a sociopath. Probably so from what you've told me about her. I've never had the joy of meeting her. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you. Speaking of my mom... Oh, dear. No, it's fine. You need, like, a little musical segue for that. Speaking of my mom. Speaking of my mom. This will be really quick, I promise. But uh, she has been emailing... um, This is so fucking funny to me. Just because this is my life. Uh, She has been emailing... um, the congressman? No, I'm sorry. Is it, uh, the, is it the congressman? It's not Abbott. It's somebody else. I don't remember who she's emailing now. I forgot. I blocked it from my memory. But she's been emailing congressman, and she's been emailing Keebler elf Jeff Sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me he doesn't look like Keebler elf. He does. I'm not a fan of Jeff Sessions. Sorry, guys. He looks like a keeper elf. Um, but she's been emailing Sessions and I think the congressman, I think Abbott, about how I stole her identity and I stole medical information and I did all this stuff and everything like that. And I'm just like, okay, let me know how that works out for you. Ah, uh, family. Ah, uh, family. It's really funny to me. It was cracking me up. I was like, I am not worried about Keebler Elf Sessions right now. That is the last of my worries. And I just feel bad for, like, the congressman people who answer have to answer that um, or have to read that, like, general mailbox. Yeah. I'm like, this is good. This is fantastic. I'm sure they're just like, what the fuck is wrong with this lady? You have to wonder, though, if that's the craziest thing that they get, because they see a lot of shit. That's true. And that makes me feel better, actually, because I'm sitting here, I'm just, like, rubbing my head. I'm just like, God, if these people call me for questions or comments about what my mom is emailing them, what am I going to say? Yeah, no, they've seen some shit. You're probably fine. I'm probably fine. So, in terms of mental health care, that has been a long debate, too. when you're institutionalized electroshock therapy that's what it was when i was talking earlier um we just stopped doing um oh god what is the thing where they take an ice pick and they lobotomy lobotomy thank you i couldn't i should know that word i couldn't think of it we just stopped doing lobotomies in 1968 yep and we still do them There are still a small handful of people that are registered and certified to perform lobotomies. Yep. It is a real thing. Uh, Famously, in the 40s, when they were much, much newer, Rosemary Kennedy had one. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. she did. Rosemary Kennedy had one. Yeah. Because she went insane, right? Or went insane, quote unquote. She uh, was born with some um, mental handicaps. Yeah, that's right. Um, Don't really know what, just because diagnosis wasn't what it is now um but when she was born the the midwife wanted to wait for the doctor and she was like she was coming uh so the midwife held her in and deprived her of oxygen for several minutes before she was actually born so she was born uh with some issues otherwise may have been healthy we can't really know right yeah Um, But as she grew up, um, she started having a lot of behavioral problems. As a child, she seems to have been um, fairly happy, and she tried really hard to please her parents. She just couldn't keep up with kind of the Kennedy name and the demands of it. Yeah. Um, So she kept getting sent away to different schools, and they, um, when the Kennedys were in England, when Ambassador Kennedy was, you know, ambassador to England, um, she went to, uh, I think it was a, a convent school in England, 
um, because they were very Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, And she thrived there. She did really well. And then World War I happened, and they had to pull her out of it. Yeah. Um, And had to send her back to America. And that's when she really started behaviorally spiraling. Mm -hmm. And by then, she was uh, in her early 20s. Um, so she wasn't a child who could really be easily controlled anymore, so her dad decided to have her lobotomized. And uh, they had her kind of sing through it or uh, recite the alphabet or count backwards, kind of different things to see how she was doing while they performed the lobotomy. And then they snipped something they shouldn't have snipped and she stopped talking. I mean, that's 1941. That's pretty recent. That's pretty recent. And that's that's the thing. That's less than... 100 years ago? Or yeah. is it 100 years ago it's now? less than. Less than 100 years yeah. ago? And it just blows my mind because lobotomies became super popular for a while. Yep. They were the standard. For some people, they were really effective, but when they went wrong, they went really wrong and she could not take care of herself for the rest of her life. She was at least somewhat... She wasn't extremely self-sufficient or anything but she could you know she could hold a spoon she could write her handwriting kind of looked like a first graders yeah um mine does too but i've never been lobotomized there you go you know um but that was before her lobotomy and then once she was lobotomized she kind of lost all those skills could she even bathe herself or no i doubt it jeez yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't know that lobotomies were the standard of care between, from the 1940s until the ni- late 1960s, yep. when they were finally not the standard of care anymore. Did they lock up... I can't remember if they locked up the guy who was the trailblazer for lobotomies. For lobotomies. I don't think they did. I think they just revoked his license. I think they revoked his license. Yeah, I, I don't remember for sure. I don't remember. I just remember the last... It was it was no longer the standard of care by 1968 was when it really yep they it was it was the big standard of care like they were popular they were effective they were recommended yep more often than not um, and that was it would make people complacent and that's what you wanted them to do to fit into society yeah and you know back in God the 1940s I want to say probably 1930s, 1940s, a lot of the psychiatric care facilities were run by nuns. Yep. And that it was easier for them to deal with lobotomized patients. Yep. They were um, childlike in a way. Yeah. And children are kind of easier to deal with. No offense to parents out there. No, like, yeah, no, like, children are not easy, quote-unquote, easy to deal with, but they're easier to control control than a full-sized adult with psychiatric problems that are making them wild. Yep. Well, and especially once medications started coming into play, which was kind of the 40s and 50s, when they really started looking at chemical imbalances. Right. Once you could medicate somebody, and especially if you could medicate a lobotomy victim, they could be so complacent and just so easygoing. Mm -hmm. They would probably do whatever you told them to. Yeah. And this is coming... Like, I do not agree with lobotomies. This I don't agree with them. Like, my mom, and I've touched on this quite a bit in this podcast, uh, not in this podcast specifically, but in, in podcast past. I think my mom could really benefit from a lobotomy. Does it mean I think she needs one? No. Would I tell somebody, like a doctor, like, hey, I want my mom lobotomized? No. 
Because that's not fair. I've always had to wonder what Ambassador Kennedy was thinking when he agreed to have Rosemary lobotomized. I think... I think he was really just at the end of his rope and didn't know what to do with her anymore. I really think that... When was it? 1942? 1941. 1941. They were so popular. They were. The, they weren't, uh, though. They weren't in 1941? No. That was uh, kind of when they were really just first starting. It was a new procedure. I thought it was like the up-and-coming medical popular thing to do. No. Like Botox. No, it was a, a new procedure. Um, there had been a few cases, and most victims uh, had not survived them at that point. Cool. And he decided to take the risk on his daughter. Jeez. That is some end-of-the-rope thinking. Yep. That has to be. Has that's, to be. That's all I can figure, because otherwise it's just terrible, terrible things about him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just has to be end-of-the-rope thinking. Or, you know, and then this is all speculation. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but especially dead people that can come back and haunt me or whatever. I don't know. And, but, you know, maybe he just wanted to silence her because he just didn't want the Kennedy name tarnished. Well, it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> the Kennedys are complicated. They are. They, it's a complicated, like, that family history is very complicated. So, but yeah, I, I, I remember that, like, the lobotomies are still being performed in 2018. A lot of people don't know that. Um, they're not the standard of care anymore. Thankfully. Thankfully. However, excuse me, they're still being performed today. But they were extremely popular between... I'd say 1950 and 1960, late 1960s was when they really took off. Sounds about right. Yeah. JFK does actually seem to have, and maybe because of Rosemary, seems to have tried to make some, some headway in mental health care. He did do some really cool stuff. Uh, uh, I don't know exactly what, but I, because I, it's been a while since I've read up on his policies, but. Uh, I have notes on them. Oh, okay. Well, then uh, <laughs> you can educate me, re-educate, re-educate me, if it were. Um, he passed the Community Mental Health Act of 1963, and I think he probably would have done more. This is speculation, of course. I think he probably would have done more um, with mental health care, especially because of Rosemary. Uh, if he had lived longer, but this act was passed the same year that he died. Yeah, I remember he passed some kind of like, uh, hum- it was like a humanitarian type of care act against the institutionalized, like the standard of, yeah, it's like a standard of care act, right? That's kind of what this is. Um, it would release patients from state mental hospitals and get them into community health centers. Yeah, okay, that's what, um, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, where... Uh, treatment would of course be a lot humane and in a lot of cases these people would be able to live in their own communities um, sometimes on their own or sometimes with families Um, and the kind of idea of it was to create cost-effective facilities because Mm -hmm. since the beginning I mean literally since the beginning since the first institution opened they've been underfunded and understaffed right yeah that's Um, why a lot of religious um, organizations kind of step in and and try and help yeah. yeah See, we said something good about religion. See, yeah, y'all are trying to help. It's just y'all kind of were weird about it, but it's okay. You just didn't know. You just, it's all right. 
We don't hold grudges here. It's okay. <laughs> well, not about that. Not about that. We hold grudges about other stuff. <laughs> That's why we have like therapists. Like about like about painting. <laughs> like about finishes on paint. <laughs> That's why we have therapists. <laughs> we were joking earlier about um, painting walls, and Katie is still holding a grudge against her parents because she wanted a matte finish on her walls, and they made her get high satin. Was it? Uh, it was like or a semi gloss. Semi gloss. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Semi gloss is gross on walls. Stop doing it. I was like. 13 or 14. And okay. we're still mad about I'm 29. it. 29. <laughs> <laughs> we're still mad about it. <laughs> um, unfortunately, JFK's plan was actually a tremendous failure. Um, they would release people, but they weren't really ready to be released into society, so it was kind of a release-and-catch scenario. Uh, they would release them, and then they'd have to reinstitutionalize them. Yeah. It was a good thought, but it just didn't really work. It didn't. And, and it had he to be wasn't really around to see it through. Yeah. Um, and I have to wonder what the state of mental health care might have been if he hadn't been assassinated. Yeah, I mean, because he was really... I don't. Was he the first president to really give a shit about it? Uh, Truman really did he? Uh, yeah, Truman in 1946 passed uh, passed the National Mental Health Act. That's right. I remember that. And now. that's the whole thing that created the National Institute of Mental Health. Yeah. So thanks, President Truman. Yeah. We appreciate you. Yeah. Ghost Truman. Truman's an interesting guy. He is. A, he was an interesting president. Like, it's been a while since I brushed up on my history and my presidential history and stuff like that. Of course, you're a history major. Yes. So you are much <laughs> more versed. Yeah. Well, you're much more versed in it than I am. You know, ask me anything about medical shit and epigenetics. I'll talk you off for nine hours. Well, and I spent my summer reading presidential biographies, including Truman's. So oh, did you? I did. That's what I've done all summer. See, I work in a school. I have the summer off. So You need to read this memoir that I'm reading right now called Educated. I've heard of it. It's I know. I told list. you about it. It's really, really good so far. Um, of course, you've read about it, but it's about a girl who grows up in the mountains of Idaho, and she doesn't even have a birth certificate until she's nine years old, and she doesn't step foot inside a classroom, and she wasn't even homeschooled. Uh, until So she doesn't step inside a learning environment until she's 17, and then she goes on to get her PhD from Cambridge. So... Anything's possible. <laughs> if you just believe. If you just believe. Not really, though. You actually have to work your ass off. Yeah, actually, the truth is is that you have to work really long hours and you're really tired all the time. <laughs> Amen, and, and you probably need anti-anxiety medication to get through it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's the reality. Um, kind of other holes in JFK's whole plan. Um, funding. You know, it's always been about funding. He tried mm -hmm. really hard. Um but more than half of his proposed centers were never built. Uh, states would close the, the facilities that were kind of draining their cash, and then they would just pocket the excess. Mm -hmm. um, so states at the time really didn't give a crap about mental health care. Yeah. Well, because this was—JFK was kind of ahead of his time. A little bit. You know, and JFK was kind of had—was a little bit of a visionary. Yeah. And he had really good ideas for mental health. But again, of course, he was assassinated, unfortunately. Yeah. And so he didn't get to follow through and kind of make sure that this was going to work or close loopholes or right. adjustments. Right, exactly. And it really sucks because I think we'd probably be better off and we wouldn't be in this state of, you know, oh, you're discharged. Here's a Greyhound bus ticket. Yeah. Have a nice life. Here's all your belongings in a trash bag. Yep. And 
be on your merry way. Well, and even the one, there aren't that many open now, really, comparatively. Yeah. Um, urbanization has been a huge problem with that. People were, you know, much more compressed than they used to be. It was a lot easier to control them in communities when those were rural communities. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a few families, you know, if they knew somebody who didn't have family to take care of them, they could take them in. Mm-hmm. And urbanization has really not helped. Yeah. Um, There's a facility... Oh, gosh. Give me a second to Google it real quick. That's fine. I can keep talking. That's fine. (laughs) Give me a second to Google it. Because there's a facility in Texas that... uh, I can't... I I used to... For those of you who don't know, I used to work at a mental health institution. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. uh, So, when I moved back to Texas... um, Okay, okay. So, anyway, I'm going to finish my sentence and I'll tell you. Um, when I moved back to Houston, because I lived in College Station for almost three years, I wanted I moved back to Houston because I wanted to go medical. That's what I decided on for my future is I wanted to go medical in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Yep. So, obviously, moving back to Houston was the logical and appropriate choice. You live in College Station if you want to do engineering or agriculture. Yep. You live in Houston if you want to do medical or some tech now. We're getting more and more tech as we expand and try and pull most of our funding out of oil and gas slowly, but surely, and painfully here in Texas. But, so long story short, I moved back to Houston and I got a job at a psychiatric ward for a couple months. I worked at uh, Tri-County Services, which is a government-funded facility. They don't take insurance. They work on a sliding scale. Hmm. And I worked there, and then I got a call back for my current job where I've been at now for almost five years. So I switched from there to there. So I wasn't there very long. I was there from January to April. So I really was not there very long. So, but we had, if if we didn't have places for um, these kids to go, not kids, but um, these people to go, because we we saw mostly adults. I think we were an 18 and up only facility. Um, We would send them to Red Oak Psychiatry. Mm -hmm. And that's more of a... We were more of an emergency type situation. Kind like of intervention. Kind of intervention, hold for 48 hours or five days. We usually didn't keep anybody longer than two weeks. I don't think we kept anybody longer than seven days. So we were more of an emergency intervention type thing. If we had people, because we dealt with a lot of low-income people, mm-hmm. obviously. So homeless people, um, people in poverty or impoverished situations that were on their own, that didn't have any support systems, we would send them to Red Oak Psychiatry, and that's a long, extended-stay type of situation. Yeah. So we made every effort to not put people on a Greyhound bus Yeah, and go, have a nice life. Well, even then, though, I mean, you know, 2013, just five years ago, it's the 50th anniversary of Kennedy's Act, and at that point, 90% of beds in the state hospitals were gone. Wow. Yeah. Um, 20% of those have happened just in the last five years. Okay. Uh, so there aren't really facilities in place for kind of the number of people that really need them. Yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of them get sent away on a Greyhound bus, unfortunately. Yeah. Is that we just don't have care in place for them. Yeah. It's true. And I really don't know what the answer is there. I don't know if it's more funding. I don't know if it's better I don't know laws. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know what... There's so much I could say. I know. We can do a part two. We might need to. Yeah, that's fine. Um, 
so I, I don't I don't know what the answer is. If, if it's more laws, if it's more regulations, if it's better standard of care, if it's all of those things. One of the kind of suggested ones I came across is that we really need better and more crisis intervention training for first responders, for police, and even for like jail and prison guards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even teachers. You know, teachers could with some crisis intervention training could maybe make all the difference. difference. Yeah. I really, I think that's, I think that's huge because there were several times where there were more than several times, let me be honest, where I was at school and things with my mom had gotten really out of hand. Yeah. I really could have used somebody who could tell the signs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just somebody knowing, you know, they don't have to know exactly what's going on, but just knowing, Hey, this kid is in distress. Yeah. Yeah, just like I don't know what's like knowing a panic attack and yeah. knowing knowing how to de-escalate. I think is the biggest thing. Knowing that you're not just slacking off or whatever that there's or actually you, something like you're wrong. depressed yeah. or anxious or yeah. just not sleeping because things at home were so shitty. Yeah, there's something deeper to it. Yeah, exactly. Like I think that would be a huge tool to implement throughout public schooling and even private schools. Uh, charter schools too if you have a kid in charter school um just really knowing the telltale signs of something's wrong at home yeah especially when you have a kid that normally performs really well yep and then all of a sudden they're making d's and well and this teacher may have only seen them at their worst yeah they may not know that they're normally a straight a student or whatever they may just see like this kid is napping in my class every day yeah what's going on yeah what's going i think that's a good question all teachers should ask themselves before they jump on the kids case like what's going on at home yeah and so, and i think what's really frustrating is i think a lot of teachers do recognize that it's a home problem well and a lot of the time it is just the kid being a little shit sometimes it is but. sometimes it is the kid just being a giant cunt bag but <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's like my favorite word uh <laughs> <laughs> Cut bag, fuck stick, whatever, whatever you want to call them. Sometimes it is the kid just being being unruly butthole. But I think more teachers. I think uh, in in addition to teachers needing more crisis intervention, I think teachers need more power to be able to do something when they can see that something's wrong. Because a lot of times, I think teachers do know. Yeah. But they can't fucking do anything. Yeah, they're not allowed to. Yeah, they can't have any kind of intervention. Uh, the best that they can do is, like, send them to the counselor, and then the counselors are like, you'll be okay, and they're they send there. them back to class. Yeah, pretty much. That was my high school experience. There. Same here. That was mine, too. Yeah. That was like, mine, well, too. you don't have any disciplinary problems on your record, so clearly you're not that big of a problem. Bye. Pretty much. That was my issue, too. And what I ran into a lot at, uh, at school as well. And I think if... And this is, I mean, I understand this is a dangerous line to toe, but I think if we give more teachers more resources to be able to actually do something, like be able, like give them the ability to call CPS without. Unfortunately, it's kind of going the opposite direction. It is. It is. And it it really upsets me. And on that happy note. Yeah, right? Exactly. (laughs) We're not going to talk about that because that's going to lead me on a completely different tangent. But uh, I'm going to have Katie back because we have a lot more to talk about on this topic. But that's going to be a wrap for today. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. 
Thanks for letting me come uh, talk about nerdy things. Yeah, I like nerdy things. Nerdy <laughs> I'm all about the nerdy things. Yeah, me too. I love history. I always say if I wasn't going into medical, I'd go into history. That's fair. I would, yeah. If I if I wasn't going into medical and I wasn't so passionate about medical stuff, I'm equally passionate about history and knowing your shit. I mean, I, of course, think you should have chosen history because Naturally. history is the best. Naturally. It. History is the best. It is the best. I love history. I've always loved history. So, but that's a wrap for today. I really appreciate you coming on and we'll do a part two because there's tons of stuff that we can talk about on this topic and we covered a lot today so i'm really excited that we covered so much in an hour yay so it was good so thank you so much for coming on and thank you guys for listening i will see you guys on the next one have a great day bye